spent years studying, uh, but I want to look at the thought or the subject on the foundation is faithfulness to God's Word. And at the very foundation of the church is God's Holy Word, amen? And it is the one thing that is um, absolutely unshakable. We must not compromise on. We must remain faithful to God's Word. Uh, Heinrich Bullinger, he made this statement. He says, God's Word is confirmed by no human authority. So, no human power is able to weaken it. And so, God's Word, it is an authority that man cannot, we can't add anything to God's authority of His Word. It is sufficient. It is fully capable of itself. I can't add anything to it. And so, man can't take anything away from it. We can deny God's Word. We can try to change God's Word. Man has done that. But we cannot take the power away from it. God's Word stands forever. And so we find that we must, as a church, we must remain faithful to God's Holy Word. God's Word is our supreme authority. Look at me in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you have your Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 6. And I don't want to be too long tonight, but I do have several scriptures that we're going to go through. And so I want to be prepared this evening to uh, go through several passages of scriptures with me. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 6. The Bible says, For it is God who commandeth light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And so uh, it is God himself who reveals himself to us through his word. The Greek word, which is translated as reveal, as a apocalypto, and it literally means to unveil that which was hidden. And so God's word, divine revelation of God's word, it literally means to bring to light that which was hidden or which was unknown to us. And so we find that God's word is God's authority because it is God's revelation of himself. That truly is what God's word is. I'm not going to get into different types of revelation. There are, there are different types of revelation. There is a general revelation. Did y'all want to uh, an example of general revelation? That is a, a, a type of general revelation would be creation itself. The stars, the heavens. Um, it does not matter what kind of uh, culture you're from, where in the world you go to, from the deepest, darkest uh, parts of Africa to the most remote uh, tribes in, in South America or Asia, wherever you may go, almost every people group have some form of religion or a god, a deity that they worship. You can merely look around the world, the heavens and the stars, and the Bible says that the heavens declare his work and the, and the firmament's his handiwork. And so you can look at it, there's a general revelation that through, uh, through creation, through nature, uh, God has revealed himself. And so there is a general revelation, and there is a, uh, but there is more specific revelation. And we know that ultimately God revealed himself how? Through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of God's revelation, and through Jesus Christ, God fully revealed himself to man as he desired, because 
Jesus was God in the flesh. He was God incarnate. And so we find that God revealed himself through a special revelation in Jesus Christ. But coming back to the Word of God, and we'll look more at uh, specifically God's Word, but we find that God's Word, uh, the question comes down to solo scriptura. I know that's a, a big word, Latin word, but it means solo scriptura, it means scripture alone. And, and what it's saying is we believe that scripture alone is sufficient. This is something that the Southern Baptists uh, have and along with other religions and other denominations and people of faith, they have uh, battled with for years, going all the way back to the Reformation. The Reformation, I'm sure you're familiar with it, uh, speaking of Brother Larry Dugan, I, I believe you're related to Martin Luther, correct, about eight generations back. And so uh, it's amazing. We have a grandson of the father of the Reformation here with us. I would let you be teaching this class, Brother Larry. And Eight times. So you, you, your grade eight times over. So that, that's even more qualified. So fantastic. But really, the, the whole Reformation started on the, the sufficiency of Scripture. Is Scripture enough? Is the Word of God enough? And can we depend upon the Word of God, or do we need men to add to it? Do we need men to add upon it? Do we need to, uh, or is the Word of God by itself sufficient for all doctrine? Um, I don't want to spend too much time on uh, on that specific thing, but uh, God's Word is fully sufficient. Now, does that mean that no other books are any good? No, there are still resources. I use commentaries all the time and, and dictionaries and concordances and, and books written by good Christian men. And so there are other resources that can help us understand or get deeper into God's Word, but doctrine itself comes from the Word of God. God's Word is sufficient for all doctrine and teaching. And so, looking at Galatians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 8 and 9. The Bible says in verse number 8, but even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed, we have said before, so now I say again, and if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. So the gospel uh, being the story of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection, the revelation of God to man. The Bible says that if somebody preaches any other gospel, let them be accursed. The word of God is sufficient in itself. Now we can go back to John chapter 1 and verse number 1, and uh, we can find out that who is the word? Jesus Christ is the Word. And so, if anybody preaches any other gospel, any other word than Jesus, the Bible says, let him be accursed. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ alone. Second, a few pages over, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and verse number 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and verse number 2, the Bible also shares with us. It says, not to be shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. But no one deceived you by any means, that they will not come unless the falling away comes first. And so the Bible says, don't let anyone deceive you. Uh, be faithful to the truth. In 2 Timothy, a few pages over, I told you we had a lot of scripture tonight, all right? Bear with me, 2 Timothy chapter 3. 
2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm going to read three verses. Verse number 15, 16, and 17. The Bible says, And that from a childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So it's the Holy Scriptures that brings salvation. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped or furnished for every good work. And so we know that the Word of God is fully sufficient to equip us in doctrine and teaching and reproof and correction. The Word of God is fully sufficient. Everything we need as believers is found in the Word of God. Matter of fact, if we go over to Revelations chapter 22 and verses 18 and 19, the Bible teaches so much that the Bible is fully sufficient that it teaches in Revelations chapter 22, verse number 18, For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to the things God will add to him the plagues that are written in the book, and if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. So while somebody takes away or adds to, that is the gospel message of the word of God. Now obviously there are some things that are uh, in translation work from Greek or Hebrew to English. Their, our vocabulary is different. But the Bible is saying, listen, if anybody asks you or takes away from the, the teaching, the thoughts, the doctrines of this book, uh, the Bible is saying the words of it, the word of it, the message that it's giving, the Bible says never be accursed. So we are not to add or take away. The Bible is very clear about that. Well, we can't add or take away. That means the Bible is fully sufficient in itself. And I know y'all know this. I know you believe this, but I just wanted to glance over it this evening. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I want to read a few more verses. I told you a lot of scripture tonight. And I apologize, but I really want to make sure that if we're going to teach on the sufficiency of the Word of God, we better use the Word of God to do it, correct? And so 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 through 25. The Bible says, For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached, or through the preaching, to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And so we find here that God has revealed himself to us. And uh, God has, we talked about Revelation, means to unveil that which was hidden. God has revealed himself to us. Why? Because we had to have God reveal himself to us. It was important, it was necessary uh, that God reveal, because without God, we could not have truly known him. The Bible teaches that in 1 Timothy chapter 6, 
and verse number 16. Um, I, I know you're jumping around a lot, but 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse number 16, I want to read this passage of Scripture. It is important. 1 Timothy 6.16 Who alone has more immortality dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. The Bible says, inapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see. So, why does God have to reveal himself to us? Because we can't see him. Without his revelation, the Bible says we can't even see it. And that's very evident, even with the Word of God, but also with salvation. Before salvation, I didn't see God. I didn't. Uh, I didn't see Him in my life. Although I knew of God, I, I knew of church, I, I knew the Scriptures, um, I, I could not see him in my whole life and I, I couldn't see his power I couldn't see the conviction of sin I didn't see him moving in my life because I wasn't saved and until salvation I didn't see him the Bible says also uh, we couldn't even approach and so we find that we couldn't even approach God and come to God and I'm glad that when, when I was in my sin Christ came to me Amen. and so without Christ we couldn't even approach him uh, but yet, through His grace and mercy extended to us, we were able to come to Him through His own revelation because He revealed who He was to us. And He began to... I wasn't looking for God when I was before I got saved. I wasn't looking for Him. But He came to me and began to convict my heart of sin and reveal Himself to me. And when He revealed Himself to me, boy, then I was looking for Him. And, and so we love Him because He first loved us. And the Bible says in Job chapter 23, we're all the way back to Job, and I'll have just a couple passages of Scripture, maybe we'll be just another minute or two. Job chapter number 23. In Job chapter 23, beginning in verse number 3, Job said, Oh, that I never, oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come to his seat. I would present my case before him and fill my mouth uh, with arguments, or you know, he would he was saying that listen, I, I would I would do my best to convince, plead my case to him. I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say to me. Would he contend with me in his great power? No, but he would take note of me. There, the upright could reason with him. And I will be delivered forever from my judge. Look, I go forward, but he is not there and backward, and I cannot perceive him. When he works with the left hand, I cannot behold him. Job said, I wish that I could even seek, seek him out. I, I wish I could find him, but I, he couldn't until God was ready. Therefore, we can only know God if God speaks to us. As people, we have we are we were hopeless without Christ, and we needed God to reveal Himself to us. I'm glad that God has revealed Himself to us. He has spoken to us, and we can know Him right here. How it is? 
It's through the Word of God. It's not just a source to know Him. It is the source to know Him. It is His Word spoken to us. And as we heard in John chapter 1, verse number 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same as in the beginning, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Jesus Christ is the Word of God. He is God revealed to us, and He did so through His Word. We read earlier in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 16, that you know, God had revealed himself and that uh, he was sufficient to, for doctrine, for proof, for correction. Uh, he, he was enough. God had revealed himself to us through his word. Therefore, we can say that the word of God is not just enough, uh, it's more than enough. We don't need new revelation. I don't care what the Mormons teach. I don't need a book from Joseph Smith. Jesus Christ and His Word is enough. I don't need a new prophet for 2022 to come out and give us a new teaching from God that's been updated. No, the Word of God's enough. It is fully sufficient. And I don't even need the Southern Baptist Convention or our seminaries to come along and to give us new revelation. The Word of God is enough. Now, they, they can teach us the Word of God. They can help us understand it. But we're better not be adding to it. Uh, we don't need the newfangled preacher to come along and, and to come along and try to give us a new way of doing things or some new, new better, improved method because we're smarter now than we used to be. No, the Word of God is still relevant. It still works. And it's enough. The Word of God. And so as we go forward as a church, how does that apply to 2022? Things are not the same today as they were yesterday. Some things change. Some things are different. So our peace society has changed. Our, our expectations have changed. Our culture has changed. We're not in the same culture that we used to be. Things have changed. I mean, we used to read our missionaries going over to uh, Asia and shake with their heads and grow ponytails to fit in with the Chinese people to evangelize them. And we thought that was great for them to do. That was going to a different culture. They were okay with that for that. Well, agriculture has changed. But now, but then some churches have said, you know what? We're going to throw the baby out of the bathwater and we're going to get rid of the Word of God because that offends some people. And so we're going to do whatever, we're just going to do whatever, and we're going to be popular, we're going to fill the church, and, and we're going to make everybody feel good about themselves. That ain't Bible. So what do we do? The very foremost thing we do, we want to reach a generation, we want to reach our young people, but we must remain faithful to God's Word first and foremost, and at the end of the day, whether anybody else ever comes to this church, or whether we dry up with just four or five people left and have to close the doors, it does not matter as long foremost if we're faithful to God's Word. But if we forsake the Word of God just to be popular, we've lost everything. It's God's Word. It's saying truth to God's Word. God, what does your Word teach? What does your word believe? What does your word say for us? And then we can listen, we're going to be faithful to it. Not just hearers of the words, but doers. 
Not just that we say we believe the Bible, but that we do it, that we fulfill what we believe, that we are obedient and faithful to the Word of God. And so, I know this is going to be y'all you could probably teach me a thing or two, but I think that it's important that we're all on the same page. Say, listen, we might change the, the style of lights. We might, we might change our hairdo or our clothes, but we're not changing the Word of God. It's one thing that is unmovable, unshakable. We will not change, forget compromise, we're not even going to tweak. We're not varying any from God's Word. It is our foundation. Amen. And God is willing to go that night. I know you believe all that, but um, I think it's important that we just go ahead and determine our hearts up front that we're sticking with the Bible. Revelation chapter 22. What the Mormons, do they take that out? No, what they teach is, that's a great question. What they teach is that they agree with that 100%. But they believe that our Bible, and this is a whole other big long study, they believe that our Bible is corrupted. That it was originally translated from the original manuscripts, and that those manuscripts have been lost. It was copied and corrupted. And so all the Bible we have today contains parts of the truth, but it's been corrupted. And therefore, Joseph Smith came along in the Book of Mormon, and he corrected God, re-revealed to him what this used to say before man corrupted it. And so that's, then again, the Bible said that the Word of God endures to all generations. So somewhere along the line, for a thousand, two thousand years, uh, God must have been a liar for a lot of generations that didn't have the Word of God, according to what they did, which is a pretty pretty big heretical fallacy. And so, but no, they, they would agree with that scripture. They wouldn't take it out. They just don't believe that what we have was the original word of God. They are, yes ma'am. But that what they say is the Book of Mormon is what the Bible used to be before man twisted it. And so that's a, that's a good question. Um, we can go through a long study on that. That there's strong evidence that that is not the case. I think it's wonderful when our missionaries use the Bible to teach English as a second language to read because that means God's word, God's word is penetrating. Yes, sir. And another mission, you know, as a, as a, as a textbook, but yet it's God's word that's getting into their hearts. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's a great tool to do that with. So, use the word of God or even without them knowing it, maybe the word of God's getting into their heart. Yes, ma'am. Any other input? Man, I appreciate y'all. I really enjoyed that. So. And, and that's a whole study that we could look into on why we still believe that we have God's infallible word. Um, you can go back through and trace the manuscripts and why. And there are. Um, Thousands, not just a thousand, we're talking uh, upwards of 13,000 different manuscripts. And they all, although there are textual variances in some of them, um, as a whole, they all agree. You can't tell me that there's that many manuscripts, some of them going back to within 
right there near the time of Christ, where um, you know actual members under Timothy and Paul's ministry that were saved, that were still alive, was some of our manuscripts were written that we have. So we had them going back almost within. We're talking about thirty or forty years of Christ's death, and so. If they were that far off from what the Bible in the Book of Mormon is, everybody would have known you couldn't have pulled that off. And so there's there's so much validation for what we have as the Word of God that um, the Mormons argue on that is really just uh, you have to be deceived. 